0: It is Aramaic, the language of the text, from 2-4 all the way to the end of chapter 7. Now Aramaic was kind of the universal language of that region at this point in time. And it is a Semitic language, so it's related to Hebrew. It's not... I don't know I don't know that much about those languages maybe sort of like you know Spanish Spanish and French something like that maybe a little bit closer even than that um, and the Jews when they went off into Babylonian captivity and came back then they spoke Aramaic from there on out when Jesus spoke in Hebrew every once in a while it was really Aramaic when we have a few of those you know Lamas llamas uh, Oh, what's that? like, like, that's it yeah. so then, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got the wrong <laughs> thing to start with but yeah. you know the idea um, and so that's in Aramaic now, there's a point to this there's, there's some other passages in the Old Testament that are in Aramaic like uh, there's a passage in Ezra chapter 4, 8 I think to the, near the end of 6 uh, there's a verse of Jeremiah 10 it's in Aramaic. But this is by far the longest. And, and I think this is very key in interpreting the book. In fact, over time, we're going to look a lot at the structure of Daniel, because I think that actually helps us quite a bit in understanding some things in Daniel. But what I see is that this unit from chapter two to chapter seven is kind of a special unit. It uses Aramaic because it's the unit of Daniel that deals with the world as a whole and not so much exclusively with things that affect the Jews. The things that more specifically affect the Jews, chapter 1, chapters 8 through 12, he uses Hebrew. The things that are more universal that he's talking about, he uses the Aramaic of chapter 2 through 7. I'm not going to do this yet, but eventually we're going to see that chapters 2 through 7 actually form a chiasm pretty clearly and and are really kind of a tied together unit. I think even if we didn't know that this was in Aramaic, if we really analyze the structure of the book, we'll see that chapters 2 through 7 kind of cohere together, at least in one way of looking at that. Do you have a question or comment on?
1: You said that in Jeremiah, there was one verse in Jeremiah? There is. Why one verse?
0: Like, writing. Um, I think there's a good reason for that. It's uh, Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 11. And it says, Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. What they're to say to them, I think he actually gives them the very words in the language that you could say it to them. So I think it makes perfect sense in that context to actually say it in the Aramaic they would use to talk to those people. That's the reason. There usually is a reason for things. You know, when you start <laughs> noticing things like this in the in the Bible, you know, I think it's always appropriate to say... Well, I wonder why. And particularly when he specifically notes this is in Aramaic, starting in 2.4. Why bother to tell us that? Not only did he switch the language, but he tells us he switched the language. It's kind of like when Paul says, look at the, at the letters I'm using when I write this. You know, why draw attention to the fact that your letters were uh, different? There's a couple of reasons we might give. My I, I, Mine might not be the same as yours, but, uh, but, but I think we are intended to ask that question. You know, why does he draw attention to that? You know, what are we supposed to get out of that? So why draw attention to this? Well, I think it's, it's to aid us in the interpretation, seeing these chapters as having more of a universal, worldwide focus. Other questions or comments? Okay. Uh, would somebody read 1 to 13?
2: In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation." The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream." and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time, because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth, who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of magician, or enchanter or chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious, and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men went about to be killed they
0: sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Wow. Kind of an interesting uh, situation here. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And you know, he's got apparently staff interpreters that are, you know, paid because they can tell you what dreams mean. Only Nebuchadnezzar just sort of changes up the uh, parameters here. What's he wanting these guys to do? Oh. That really kind of was a different situation here for them, wasn't it? Why are they so reluctant to do this one? Not a man on earth can do what the king's asking them to do. Well now, isn't that strange? How is it that people can interpret the dreams, but they can't tell what they were?
3: Well, it's kinda like. I can say, explain me, you know, something, a very deep thing of science, and you can explain to me, I have no idea what you're saying, what, you, what you're saying could be right, could be wrong, it could be completely off. You know, it's easy to tell someone something about something they don't like <clears to> understand, <throat> they don't know what they're saying. But if I said, tell me what I'm thinking, and then explain it to me, you know, you're in a little bit of trouble, because you
0: can't lie your way through what I'm thinking. Yeah, you got the right idea. Maybe all of us figured that out. Which is, and,
4: yeah, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or <laughs> <laughs> pick up
0: Exactly. Hey, listen, I can interpret your dreams. You know, that doesn't take much of a trick, you know, may not be right, but hey, I can sound good. But you tell me what did you dream? How would I know? You know, I've got to get that one right, because you know, and you'll test me. You know, who knows whether I gave you the right interpretation or not? You know, so they've been bluffing. The king, all along, I think he's getting wise to this, and the more they try to politely say, (laughs) "You, this is really ridiculous and you can't do this, the more furious he becomes because he realizes he's been duped by them all this time. Whoa. And he becomes furious. And what can they do? They don't know the dream! (laughs) You know? (laughs) I mean... What are the chances you're going to happen to hit upon the right dream? I mean, you know, those are pretty, uh, you know, uh, pretty much the sky's the limit on what you can dream. You know, so they're in trouble. And what does the king say? What's he, what's he warn them? What does he tell them in five that he's going to do to them if they don't tell him? they're going to be cut in pieces. Yeah, I'm going to tear you limb from limb and make your house a rubbish heap. And if you think that is bluffing on Nebuchadnezzar's part, get a load of Jeremiah 29:22, talking about uh, a guy named Ahab and a guy named Zedekiah, neither one of which are the Ahab and Zedekiah you've ever heard of. But he says, Because of them, a curse will be used by all the exiles from Judah who are in Babylon, saying, May the Lord make you like Zedekiah and like Ahab, whom the king of Babylon roasted in the fire, and in the context is Nebuchadnezzar. So there's two guys he roasted in fire, you know. Of course, we know later on he's Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And so I expect he's fully capable of, you know, tearing them limb from limb and making their houses a rubbish heap. And in fact in verse 12 and 13 the decree goes out to round up the wise men we're going to we're going to massacre them i mean i think the king decides he's better off and his kingdom's better off without these uh, wise men uh, i like this quote i don't know where i got it but it's kind of like you know why have a dog if you have to do the barking you know why have these wise men? They're not—they're not doing anything useful. Comments and thoughts on this.
5: because um, I don't know much about about this kind of stuff. When it when it mentions like in two and other verses, it says the magicians, the astrologers, and sorcerers. But then it says Chaldeans. Wh- how come like the first three are more like a, you know what I mean? Like they're that's what they do. But Chaldeans is a people, and the, or I mean like, I guess I'm confused.
0: Chaldeans is a word that has two meanings. Sometimes it refers to the ethnicity of the Babylonians, their Chaldean peoples. But sometimes it seems to refer to a special class of diviners, spiritists, whatever you want to call these guys. His footnotes, no, says astrologers. Yeah. You know, all that stuff is kind of all fuzzy in my mind. May have even been in theirs. But it's all this... You know, stuff trying to determine the future and, you know, deep, dark things using whatever weird means you have at your yeah. disposal to do that. I mean, today, I don't know, what would it be? Psychics and horoscopes and crystal balls yeah. and palm reading? I don't know. I mean, I, I see every once in a while signs for that stuff. I don't know if people really, you know, does anybody believe in that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Believe in the horoscope, anyway. I don't know. Do people believe in crystal balls and palm reading?
3: Wiccans really believe in palm reading. reading. Okay.
0: Well, as far as I know, I haven't talked to a single one. Lucky you. (laughs)
3: Yeah, congratulations. (laughs) Uh,
0: But yeah, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. You know, and and if you don't have God, you feel the need for security. You feel the need for some connection with with the forces or gods or whatever it is that control everything. And so, you know, for us, I mean, for me, all this kind of stuff is like bizarre. You know, some whitey's gonna look into a crystal ball and tell you what's gonna happen. Right. You know, but we've got the Lord. We know what's gonna happen. We have we, we know he's controlling everything by his wisdom, by his love and his power. We know where things are going. And so we don't have any need for that. But if you don't have any of that, then you're kind of vulnerable to anybody who comes along and claims that, you know, he's got some special connection with the spirit world. And the Brazilians, whoa man, that's huge in Brazil the spiritism of all sorts and you know communication with the dead and you know just all kinds of, of efforts to try to get a connection with something in the world beyond and you know in Brazil the Catholicism just embraces the spiritism it's practically indistinguishable most Catholics are spiritist and vice versa hmm. but the spiritism is a lot more important in their daily life than the Catholicism is uh, but in this country we're not Nearly is oriented toward that sort of thing. That was a long answer
5: for what Chaldeans are. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay for him, some
0: Other thoughts and comments through verse 13?
4: <laughs> did, did Nebuchadnezzar, I said, was in his second year, so he must have.
0: He has become king right after he takes the young man into battle. Right. Historically. So they fed
4: him for a couple years before they went into his service. Roughly.
0: Yes. You know, I don't sometime after um, I don't know for sure what to say about all of that. Because I'm not sure of the chronology here. I don't know for sure that chapter two takes place before chapter one, after chapter one ended. I don't know.
3: I mean, because it says in verse five that the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and the wine which he drank, and three years. Three years, drank. yeah. So either Daniel was a uh, lost monitor than most people and could get all three years of training done in less than two, or what?
0: I think it's possible that, you know, one isn't finished, chapter one isn't yet completed, when chapter two occurs. Daniel and his friends are still going to be considered wise men because they're in this training for this special, you know, service.
3: How would he have been there
0: to you know these things or is he just to get afterward? Would he have been in the king's court as a training? I don't know the answer to that, but I don't think it matters. I guess he could have heard about it. Yeah, I mean, or God could have revealed it to him as far as I'm concerned. So. Other questions and comments? Well, this is kind of bad. wonder what's going to happen. 14 to 23. <laughs>
6: Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter, in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Okay,
0: so Daniel wants to know why the king is so urgently wanting to kill all the wise men, and he's told, and he asks for some a time where he could go in and declare to the king his dream and its interpretation. Then Daniel goes to his friend's home, and God reveals the dream and its interpretation to Daniel, and you see Daniel, perhaps together with these three friends, doing what? Pray. <laughs> yes. So encouraging to see that. Four young men united together in prayer. And what is he mostly praying? Well, how would you describe the theme of this prayer? Praise. praise and thanks. Fa- Praise and thanks to God. Why? What's he praising
7: about God? He says in verse 23, you've given me wisdom and power.
0: Yes, and he says in 20, wisdom and power belong to him. Seems to me like those are the two big qualities of God that he's praising here. God is the source of wisdom and power. Look at what he does in verse 21. He changes the time in the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. That shows you his power. Look at his wisdom. He gives wisdom to wise men, knowledge of men of understanding, reveals profound and hidden things, knows what's in the darkness. So God is the God who is the absolute source of all wisdom and power, and he's shared that with Daniel as he made known to Daniel this this dream. You know, you just can't praise God enough for his wisdom or his power. Those two qualities are outstanding. I really like the concept. Of the song, Our God is an Awesome God. Mm-hmm. Because it talks about his wisdom, his power, and his love. Man, you put those three together. That's amazing. And that just, wow. That combination. Infinite wisdom, infinite power, and infinite love. Make God who he is. And that's something to praise him for. So that, that's what he's doing. I mean, Daniel, before he ever even talks to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he is praised and thanked and glorified God for his power and wisdom shown in giving Daniel uh, the dream and its interpretation.
7: Comments and questions? Does he go, uh, verse 16, Daniel went in and requested of the king Mm -hmm. he, he seems to be going directly to Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, maybe so. I, I don't
0: know that that means he actually saw King Nebuchadnezzar, but could have gone through Ariok, or, or maybe through the secretary, or whatever. But yeah.
3: Interesting, then he gets a conversation out of Ariok before gets chopped to the people.
0: Well, it looks to me like that they're more rounding them up to be slain. I don't think Ariok is going out here killing them as he finds them doesn't seem like that from just the overall context, but he's gathering them so that they can be slaughtered.
3: Well, I don't care whether they gather or tell them will, but I've never seen a police officer coming to gather people up, and starts having a natural conversation with somebody, and it's done happen.
0: Yeah. Hey, hi. Well, you don't you imagine everybody's a little bit in an uproar about this? I doubt yeah. that this was the most popular decree the king's ever, you know, issued. I don't know.
3: It says in verse 13. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. And said, "Oh, the wise men!" And almost makes it seem like they're in the process of doing it, and they actually come to be
0: banned. That's that's your ESV again, isn't it? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, that's, that's your problem. Uh, so the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Who knows? He probably an interpretive thing of in the Greek in the Hebrew tenses, I
5: Cass, how
8: old are you?
5: Thirteen. So I just like to get a visual analogy. So are they are they all about like Cass's age right now? What we're assuming then, and they just prayed this like like this is the kind of prayer. That yeah.
0: Said? Yeah, Cass maybe a little bit older, maybe like Josh's age, somewhere into yeah. there. Between okay. Cass and Joshua, I would say. Okay. At well, this point, there's two years
3: past, so they're probably it.
0: Yeah, it might be closer 15. to Shane's age, even. But well, yeah,
3: between five, I
0: would say 15 to 17. Yeah, who knows? We don't know exactly, but they're in that. It doesn't make much difference. They're in that yeah. teenage
5: yeah. years, right. adolescent stage. It's just, it hits me. It's just impressive to me. I don't know to, to read a prayer like this because I mean, you know, I wasn't raised going to services or anything. You know, what I mean, I didn't I didn't know the Lord till I was 18. So it's just when I see kids like their age and stuff, it's encouraging to me. So that's just why I was trying to get. it. Yeah, it is
0: old. encouraging. Certainly, it's very encouraging, and we see it a lot in the Bible. Joseph at 17, David is a very young man. Timothy is a young man. Jesus is a young man. I mean, you know, Josiah, you know, turning to the Lord as a young <laughs> man. I mean, and some of them are under difficult circumstances with great challenges. You know, wow. Uh, I don't know that it matters how old you are. Yeah. You know, I mean, we tend to, we do tend to have this philosophy in our country that, well, when you're young, you're just supposed to have fun. Then you get older, you turn to the Lord. There is nothing in the Bible that indicates that's right. the way that's supposed to go. Right. you know, Or, or that that's the way you would think it would go. Uh, Jesus had great, you know, even like the babies and the small children. He saw innocence in them. And, you know, sometimes younger people haven't been so corrupted
7: by all the things we've been involved with. So. Other thoughts? I think you see the same kind of decisiveness about Daniel here as we did at the beginning. I mean, he doesn't mince any words as he talks. I mean, he goes right to the king and says, Give us time, and we'll come to a conclusion. His trust is still in God. Absolutely,
0: because it looks to me like at that moment he still didn't know, but he knows God will tell him. That would. Cameron. And so while they're rounding him up.
1: They just let him go home, right?
0: Well, yeah, he's got the appointment set with the king, so I guess they do. Micah.
2: Well, um, something that you, that I particularly like to look at in the Book of Daniel is the relationship between Daniel and the pagan Babylonian society in which he's living in, the kind of relationship they has with them. Something that really brought out to me in verse 16 is that he requests time and he takes the time um, and I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into this but isn't he like asking for time like don't kill these people yet I mean he could have just said you know what kill all these people they don't know what they're talking about they don't, they don't acknowledge the true God he at least to some extent is showing some mercy to them I don't know if that's too too much of a stretch thank
0: so I think what he's asking the king is to set a time, to make an appointment with
3: him. It might even be some of the same men that might try and put him to death later on as well. Uh... The
0: same
8: thing?
0: Are you thinking about the... Lions Yeah, that was 65 years later. That's true. In a different government. Other thoughts?
7: okay 24 to 30 therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon he went and spoke to him as follows do not destroy the wise men of Babylon take me into the king's presence and I will declare the interpretation to the king then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future, and he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me, more than in any other living man but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king that you may understand the thoughts of your mind alright so
0: Ariok accompanies Daniel into the king uh, and what does Ariok tell Nebuchadnezzar
3: I found him
0: I found this guy among the exiles of Judah that can tell the interpretation of the king Any problem with that? Who found who? Yeah. Little bitty white lie there, it looks to me like. Making Ariok look better. Making it look like, you know, I searched for him and I found the guy. Well, really, you know, he stumbled over him. You know, Daniel found him when it's all said and done. It looks to me like worldly people do that a lot. They'll rearrange the facts. They'll, you know, kind of twist things a little bit, just to make themselves look better, to get a little more credit. By contrast, Daniel does just the opposite. When the king says, can you make known to me the dream and its interpretation? You know, Daniel says, hey, there's no wider man that man can do that, but there's a God in heaven that reveals mysteries. So Daniel doesn't accept the credit for himself. He doesn't say, yes, I can. I know all about dreams. You know, I'm a, you know, uh, uh, what would we say, uh, expert. I'm thinking of the uh, Portuguese word Well, I'm an expert at uh, you know this kind of stuff and uh, no, he says there's a God in heaven. that is almost the theme of this book by the way. That, that'd be a good subtitle for Daniel. there's a God in heaven. you know we see it over and over again. and Daniel doesn't want Nebuchadnezzar thinking anything that would exalt himself, he wants him to exalt the Lord. So he's just the opposite of Ariok. Arioch trying to take credit that doesn't belong to him. Daniel trying to be very careful that he doesn't receive any credit that doesn't belong to him. It is the Lord who's going to share this uh, dream and its interpretation uh, with uh, Nebuchadnezzar. So, in one sense, would you say Daniel was wiser than the other wise men? Not on his own. He just had a better source of information. Which is where we're at.
7: He was wiser because he lived in a different place. Yeah, exactly. Well, he got training above his trainers, didn't he? He did, <laughs> absolutely. I th- I think it's interesting too, just to notice that all along, he's teaching uh, Nebuchadnezzar about God. Exactly. And 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 we're all
0: seeing that God is the one in charge. Kevin. Um, in Ezekiel
1: 28. It says that the king of Tyre is uh, wiser than Daniel. Is this the same Daniel?
0: I say yes.
1: So that means that that's like a big accomplishment. You're wiser than this Daniel.
0: Although in Ezekiel, it's not affirming that, which verse is that in Ezekiel Um, Uh, 28.3? 283. In in the context, because your heart is lifted up and you've said, I'm a God. I sit in the seat of gods, in the heart of the seas." Yet you're a man and not God, although you make your heart like the heart of God. Behold, you are wiser than Daniel. There's no secret that's a match for you. By your wisdom and understanding you've acquired riches. It's ironic. It's sarcastic. Why, man, you've done all this great stuff but it's, it's really just, uh, you know, trying to deflate his uh, egotistical balloon. <laughs> but I think, yes, the same day. Who was basically living at the same time as his ego. Cass? I
3: think maybe here, whenever he's talking about uh, Ariok, that maybe he wasn't trying to puff himself up, but he was in such a hurry. He just kind of, you know, because would he have been killed if he would have found anyone? No. Uh, Well, do you think maybe just because he was in such a hurry, he wasn't kind of like, I mean, he came to me, I mean, he was kind of just kind of like, I found him, like, as in, he's he's here. Do you think maybe he's just
6: not puffing himself up, just saying, you know, he's here?
0: Maybe, but I really think he was puffing himself up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you Lysias yes Claudius Lysias who yeah, said Isaiah,
4: uh Paul yeah
0: having learned he was a Roman yeah you know just little reorganization of the chronology I just see that as so characteristic of worldly people I'm almost, almost looking for it who knows other questions and comments um
5: there in verse 27 when it says soothsayers well that's what New King James says anyway is that the, the sorcerers
7: yeah okay I guess. It's all that sort of stuff. Okay. Has, has enough time gone by? It, it just seems like uh, when you read this, Ariok has, has forgotten about Daniel. And uh, has, has enough time gone by here, do you think, that Why would you... Forgotten what about Daniel? Well, it just... Uh, uh, it, it just... Almost appears to me that he doesn't—he doesn't recognize Daniel. Doesn't—he uh, 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 doesn't seem to remember him. I, I may—I may just really be seeing something that's not there. What I mean, he sees Daniel and these friends as wise men that need to be
0: rounded up and killed. That's all he knew Daniel as, as far okay. as I know. Okay. That—are you thinking I about it? Maybe that. Are thinking about, like, Daniel looking better than the others because yeah. of the food? I don't know if Ariak ever knew that. That was the overseer. Okay. So I don't know if he yeah. ever even realized what was going on with that. Maybe he did, but I don't know if he did. Yeah. So.
4: And we don't know the chronology and where exactly we're at in this process.
0: True, although you're, I mean, I would assume that they get the food early on and they refuse early on, and that was probably an early test. That's my guess. But,
3: yeah.
0: About two so, years in the process. There are, of course, always details that we're doing the best we can with the information we're given. If we knew the whole story, maybe we'd we'll move, change some of those points. Points. Okay. If it,
1: if it was like the end of the first chapter, with after the second chapter? Yeah. Then wouldn't Daniel already be in a high position over here? Because doesn't, after he reveals the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, doesn't he bring him up to a high place and Daniel asks for his friends to come up to high places too? And then they get raised up at the end of first chapter 2? Yes. Like raised up again?
0: I don't know. Good question. Any way you look at that, that's a good question. I don't know the answer. There's all kinds of possibilities, including the idea that what the end of chapter 2 may have happened sometime after the rest of chapter 2. But I don't know. It kind of reminds me of Saul and David.
4: You know, he brings David in, and then he's like, who is this guy? And then it's like, you
0: know, does he know him, does he not know him? Yeah, some of those things are some questionable issues for us. I don't know the answer to all that. Well, the dream, 31 to 35.
4: You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until the (coughs) stone Uh, A stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became
0: a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, here's the dream. You can kind of see why... Nebuchadnezzar was troubled by this dream. You ever had a dream like this one? What did Nebuchadnezzar see in the dream? Kind of a statue. A big statue. And what else was unusual about this statue? Made of different Yeah. Head of Gold. Breast and uh, arms of belly and thighs of legs of feet of iron and clay which is kind of odd too the weakest material is in the feet uh, mixed with the iron supporting the whole statue kind of odd and then what does he see a stone a stone that somehow was taken out without hands and what does this stone do Playful. Yeah, I remember uh, some of you went to Indiana camp last year. Uh, I got to uh, watch some teams try to knock down the statue. Did you get it, Kevin? I won. Your team? All right, cool. Uh, so you have uh, lots of experience with uh, rocks destroying statues. Um, but can you imagine what that must have been like in the dream? Struck the statue on the feet and just crushed it. It crushed all of it. I mean, like, pulverize the statue. I mean, this is more than just the rock, you know, hitting it. This is the rock like, you know, being a glorified chopper, chewing it up and spitting it out into fine dust, which is, is quite something. The wind carries it away. The statue's absolutely gone. And what happens to this this stone? Becomes this huge mountain filling up the earth. This, uh so one thing you can say about this dream—it has uh, very large proportions, <laughs> and everything's <that> big. <laughs> Comments and questions. I think
5: it's interesting that the—I I mean, that the the weakest is at the bottom, and it seems to be strongest. Like went from gold to clay.
0: I know. Isn't that odd? I don't.
5: I don't understand if there was. If that means something that I don't understand. You know what I mean? Or if it probably a, does. I mean, it was a dream. <laughs> it was a dream. <laughs> yeah, but, but the dream does mean something. Yeah. Just the order. I mean, it went straight in an order. You know what I mean? From it weekend, does. It, it wasn't like it was off bound. It was straight went from strongest to weakest. I mean, I
3: don't.
0: So. Most valuable. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe most valuable, least valuable. The iron actually probably stronger than say the gold. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. The gold's not very strong. Okay. But really precious. Okay. So now we're going by more. Yeah, that. it's kind of weird. There's several I think there's probably more than one thing you see in the different metals and okay. materials. Yeah. Hmm. But definitely not a dream quickly forgotten. Right? Daniel, think about, it. I mean, what are the chances of just sort of imagining onto a dream that, that is that <laughs> specific? Good thing those uh, interpreters didn't try to hazard a guess. <laughs> they just, just
7: really look stupid. They, they never would have gotten all those details. No way. Yeah.
0: No way. Probably would never have gotten even started in the right direction. I mean, let's like see the king's face. You know, he's probably pretty skeptical.
4: You know, maybe at the start. Or maybe hopeful. but Yeah,
0: it's like, all right, let's hear it. What did I see? <laughs> and then as he starts out... You if you can tell a dream like that, I bet he'll believe the interpretation. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. Mm-hmm. That, that'd give you pretty good credentials. Because he evidently hadn't told anybody. Um, so he, so no big I mean, did he assume the statue was of him? Or did he know in his dream that? I don't know what he knew. Okay. He's wanting to know. I don't know if it ever, like, that. The interpretation looks what parts of him and what's not. But I don't know what he thought at first. Okay. Alright, you want to look at the interpretation, 36 to 45.
8: This was a dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom, inferior to you, shall rise arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, because iron breaks, breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly riddled. Uh, through what? 45. Okay. As you saw, the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another, one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as the iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of those king, kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people and shall break in pieces all the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure.
0: Now, I would suggest that I believe this is a very significant part of the book of Daniel. It looks to me like the statue dream is kind of the pattern dream for the book. Uh, There will be a number of other dreams and visions and things like that, and they'll all fit into this pattern dream. So I think this is kind of fundamental. This is sort of laying out the blueprint of the book. And what you find is the meaning of the materials of the statue. What's the head of gold represent? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. And I would suggest not Nebuchadnezzar alone, but Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian kingdom. But the Babylonian kingdom is very well represented by Nebuchadnezzar. He reigned for 43 years. The kingdom only lasted another 23 after he died. So you can pretty much equate Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he's the head of gold. Then what's the what's the uh, silver part? Well, we don't know yet. But what does he say? Another kingdom. Another kingdom that's inferior to you. So so you know, it's, it's Babylon and then it's a second inferior kingdom after them. And then the bronze kingdom which rules over all the earth. But I'm assuming by analogy bronze is also inferior. And then this, what about the iron part? What does that represent? Strong. A strong fourth kingdom. Iron is very strong so it shatters all these things. But why the feet part of iron and part of clay? They're
1: just going to be part strong and part weak.
0: Yes. And it's not going to cohere very well together. And so it's eventually, its weakness was its feet that crumble and the the statue crumbles. Um, So that's the fourth kingdom. So what you've got is this series of four kingdoms. Starting out with Nebuchadnezzar, i.e. Babylon. Continuing through an inferior kingdom, an inferior kingdom, and then a strong but divided kingdom uh, that eventually gets destroyed. It's in the days of those kings, verse 44, that the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. So in the days of the kings of the fourth kingdom, God sets up his kingdom, and it's an indestructible kingdom, and it destroys the other kingdom it's uh, you know God's sovereignty God's kingship overcomes and surpasses all of the great world empires it crushes them and it endures forever God's sovereignty is overall that's the interpretation comments and questions okay yeah.
1: I think the rock is kind of like Jesus, because it came in that Rome time, and it crushed them all, basically, and it became a kingdom, well, it's what he did, and it's like, exactly like a prophecy of Jesus.
0: Yeah, and what Jesus
7: did, I agree. Very good. Other thoughts and comments. He he confirms it at the end. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Better believe this. Absolutely. This is the way it is.
0: It's important for Daniel's context audience. These Jews going into exile, thinking that God wasn't reigning as king, thinking that his plans had been derailed. They have not we're on target, on track, we're in the head of gold, then there's the silver, then there's the bronze, then there's the iron, the iron and clay, and it's in the days of those kings that God will prevail. And his kingship will be established. So it's not like, you know, God's not going to be able to get the job done. He is. And now we know even sort of a timetable on it.
5: Right. Um I don't know this question might be a little out there. I don't know to kinda of go off of what Cameron was saying. Verse verse forty four, I'm assuming right yeah, is that what is that we're talking about Cameron where he mm-hmm. talks about Jesus' kingdom mm-hmm. right you know, coming and then um Okay, and New King James says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, which that's obviously talking about the church, right? Or talking, about
0: talking about Jesus's kingship. Jesus' kingship. Okay. When he went back to the throne of God.
5: Okay, and then the way it's worded after that is, And the kingdom shall not be left uh, to other people, which I understand, but then it says. Non transferable. Right, okay, and then it says, It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. When it says, It shall break in pieces. I mean, is it referring to it shall break the kingdoms in pieces? Yes. That's that's okay. I was misreading. I think Christ's
0: kingdom destroys all the others. Right. Okay. And okay. there has been actually no world empire since uh, right. the Romans, when when Christ was
5: crucified okay. and resurrected. I just want to try and understand because at first, because the way it's worded, and I had to I had to read it, but it says it shall break in pieces. So I'm like, why would Jesus' kingdom break and peace and peace. No, read, breaking, breaking in
0: pieces. but then I read it once It's breaking in pieces, those kings. kingdoms, right? Okay. Just like the rock did with the statue. Right, right, okay. okay. That makes sense. Okay,
1: cool. Would the breaking in pieces be like uh, the church being scattered and then it gathered more people? We're not
0: talking about the church here. What was broken in pieces were these kingdoms and empires of men. There's not been any. Great world empire ever established after Jesus became king when he went back up to the throne and sat down at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning on the earth. There have been attempts. Yes. Yeah. Hitler made an attempt. Yeah.
5: Because it, wasn't,
4: it wasn't literally Christ's kingdom that destroyed Babylon or needs of Persians or the Rome. It wasn't. You know, in, in that sense, in, in the physical sense, the Medo Persian took over the Babylonian, and so on and so forth. But in a spiritual sense, his kingdom is now trumps all kingdoms
0: everywhere. And in a sense, in another sense, it is exactly was. Why were those kings destroyed? Because of Christ's kingship, you know, because of his power, particularly when the Roman Empire was destroyed, you know, because Christ was reigning. By then, and he's the one who brought them down. Yes, Chase.
3: We also have uh, <coughs> this idea of this, this rock in this mountain. it I also be picturing the Jews of, and even to us, could it be the idea of mountains where, on the mountains where they had uh, the law, the old law,
0: this new, this mountain? I think it's the, easier to imagine a mountain as representing kingship or government as it often does. So Christ's kingship destroys the other world empires and becomes a great reigning empire, a great mountain. Christ is sovereign over the universe. Important passage. Do you remember when Jesus said in Mark one, the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand? You know, he knew that this time was up. We're in the days of the fourth kingdom, and God was going to establish His kingship on the earth in Jesus. Was that Mark one? Mark one, verses fourteen to fifteen. And he's referring back to. Learning. He's referring back to passages like yeah, like the the idea that the timetable's up yeah. and the. God, you know, Jesus ruling and reigning was at hand. Okay.
5: Here comes
1: the rock.
6: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: here comes
6: the rock. Yeah, excellent. Gary, why are you being so cautious about, about referring to this as you know, looking toward Christ and not substituting the word the church in there?
0: Because the church is not the same as the kingdom. The kingdom here refers to Christ's rule the church refers to the people that submit to his rule so it's really not the church that conquers the empires and it's not the church that's the great mountain the church are the ones that submit to the mountain that that obey the kingship of christ that's good. Mm-hmm. yeah sometimes we make that you know too simplistic an equation and we either have to misdefine church or kingdom one And it kind of creates problems. Uh, So this is really talking about Jesus being exalted as king. Other comments and questions? Well, why don't we stop here then. Great uh, great discussion, great study.
7: It's fun to uh, to do this. And uh, we'll see a lot
0: more about this
7: dream in other...